good morning. I've been thinking about all of you so much, and I wonder how it is for you this one week out from Christmas. I'm thinking, uh, how's it going? Uh, are things kind of, for some of you, coming together? Uh, feel like it's coming together? Anybody feel like it's falling apart right now? <laughs> We actually had some things in our family that kind of felt like they were falling apart this past week, but, but here we are. I love Christmas. I absolutely love Christmas. I know not everybody shares that sentiment, but I love it. I always have. I love the season. I love the lights. I love the extra gatherings. Um, I love being with those uh, in our circle and just taking some quieter time to enjoy being together. I think back to Christmases in my early 20s, um, and I think about uh, a, few, a few times, I think I had a certain painting maybe in my mind of what I wanted our Christmas to be like. And uh, you know, there we were, we lived in Three Hills at the time, and we had our four little kids. I think I kind of wanted our Christmas to be like this. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted everything just right. Um, you know, and I kind of thought that if I, if I found the right Christmas planning calendar and I just worked really hard, I stayed up past midnight enough nights, you know, that somehow in my little sphere, I could create the perfect Christmas for everyone. But the reality, the reality was that often I kind of ended up more like this. <laughs> another Norman Rockwell painting, The Shop Girl, and I think I kind of ended up a lot like her. In fact, uh, if I'm going to be really honest, like my goal often was kind of straight out, one of, out of one of the Christmas songs, um, all is merry and bright, and I really wanted all <laughs> to be merry and bright, and um, my goal, my goal was a recipe for Christmas disappointment sometimes, because if I'm honest, you would find me at various Christmases sneaking into the bathroom to have a quick cry, letting off some of that disappointment, washing my, uh, you know, how we do like the water splash trick to try to look fresh again and, and try to get back out with everybody and try to pull things together as, as good as we could, because not everything was merry and bright. Uh, you know that. Someone was sick, um, someone was grumpy. Uh, I couldn't find the gifts that I had purchased way back in August and hid somewhere in the house. <laughs> but sometimes it was more serious than that. Sometimes there was intense family conflict going on and it was almost palpable. Don't hear me wrong, I'm, I'm not beating myself up for those times. Um, and as a family, we're incredibly blessed to have many, many warm and wonderful memories of Christmas. But here's what I learned and what I'm still learning. I need at Christmas to keep coming back to the real story of Christmas. I need to be reminded again and over and over what the point is of all of this. The real story of Christmas certainly isn't all merry and bright. 
but it is incredibly breathtaking and amazing and mind-blowing and history-changing. And I want us this morning to enter again into that story. To help us enter the Christmas story during our Advent series, um, we've taken some paintings, um, four of them, and they are reminding us of different aspects of the Christmas story. Art has a unique power to speak to some of us in profound ways. And I was actually thinking about how many, for many years uh, in history, it was actually paintings that allowed people to individually contemplate the biblical stories. Because before the printing press, um, scriptures weren't widely available, and many people weren't literate. And so it was pictures that helped them enter into the stories. The four pieces that we're using this year um, are taken from a book by Jane Williams called The Art of Advent. On the first weekend, Brody pointed us to this picture. Um, I love it. This picture of Jesus. And he reminded us of Jesus coming as the light into our dark world. We just sang and we just prayed about that a moment ago. And he reminded us that Jesus longs to come into each of our darkness if we will invite him in. And then last week, Greg, um, Greg brought to us this amazing picture. Um, it's Joseph's workshop, Joseph, the adopted dad of, of Jesus. And Greg challenged us, like Joseph, to accept our place in God's story and to, to lovingly lean into life, even if it feels like our calling is a little bit on the margins. Today, we're gonna look at Mary. We're gonna look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. But just before we do, I want us to pray one more time. Pray with me. God, help us now to release all that's on our minds, all that's going on in our world. Help us be fully present, God, in these moments Open our eyes again, God, to the wonder of you. Give us hearts, please, God, that are empathetic to people and to a story that took place in a time that's so different than the one that we live in today. Let us hear, God, and let us see what your Holy Spirit this morning wants to show us. Thank you. Amen. Okay, this is the painting. Yeah, I, I love this one. I didn't pick it, but I was thrilled to get it. Um, yeah, this is amazing. This painting is called The Annunciation. It was painted in 1889 um, by a man named Henry Oswa Tanner. 
The title, the Annunciation, it's just a, it's just a fancy word for announcement. <laughs> this is when the angel portrayed here by a shaft of light actually said to Mary this incredible news that she was gonna be the mother of Jesus. And the artist has shown us a, a very simple and surprisingly even serene scene. Mary's quite alone in this moment, and this moment, and this message that she's receiving, it's gonna have to carry her through all that is ahead, through the times when her heart is filled with praise and joy and amazement at what God is going to do through her, and the times of loneliness and despair and fear and doubt. Let me point out to you just three things um, that I see in the painting. Um, first, it's, it's the way the angel has been portrayed. The angel, as I said, is portrayed as a shaft of light, and yet we see that the artist has also placed a shelf in the picture that makes that shaft of light into a cross. What an incredible foreshadowing. The second thing I want you to see is Mary's posture. Mary's posture is one of incredible humility. There's a piece there, look at her hands, they're gently folded, and her eyes are fixed on the angel, and, and yet there is a look, of, a look of perplexedness maybe. And then also lastly, I wanted to just point out something I saw, and that was her feet coming out from under her robe there. Um, I just wondered, could this, could this be a nod to a prophecy in Isaiah that says, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Mary is about to bring into the world the actual embodiment of good news, of the news that we all so desperately need. Let's go now to the scripture passage that inspired this painting. We're gonna walk through it verse by verse. Um, it's Luke chapter 1, 26 to 38. If you have your Bible with you or a device you wanna follow along, um, you can also read with us on the screen. Luke 1, chapter, uh, Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named, whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. So the first thing we see in the text is we meet an angel and his name is Gabriel. I don't know where you're at this morning with faith or with things of the supernatural. Wherever you're at, we're so glad you're here. But Right here, we see that we are introduced to this unseen world, things that are happening all around us that we don't normally see. 
angels and, and heavenly beings. In the Christmas narrative, angels show up multiple times, and they're woven actually through the biblical text from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation. And in, <clears throat> we don't have time this morning, we don't have time right now to take, to do a really a deep dive into angels, but I wanna just give you the Coles notes on what scripture teaches. Teaches that they are messengers sent by God and they bring things like announcements and guidance and protection and help to human beings. They're always working for good on God's behalf, and they never point us to themselves. They always point us to Jesus. But can you imagine on this day being this angel? Can you imagine being Gabriel? The angels have known that this moment was coming. They've known and they've longed for it. They've waited for God to initiate this. I'm sure he was incredibly excited to get the news all out. But I want you to notice something this morning. You know that word annunciation or announcement? It can sound like someone coming and just saying, hear ye, hear ye, here's how it's going to be. I want us to hear something quite different that's right here in the text. He starts by reminding Mary that God's favor is on her life and that God is with her. This word favor, it's used in the biblical text maybe a little different than how we're used to using it. It means to graciously give someone a benefit a gift out of a heart of kindness. God's grace, the angel says, is on Mary. You know, from the human perspective, Mary's life does not look highly favored at all. She's from a very poor family who lives in a small village, as we just read, of Nazareth. It was definitely, in that time, the wrong side of the tracks. I grew up on Vancouver Island. Um, this silly song came to mind when I was preparing. Um, about maybe 30 years ago, this song was written, and it certainly wouldn't be true of Nanaimo today, but at that time, there was a song, and the chorus went like this. I'm so glad not to be in Nanaimo. Yeah, well, that, <laughs> that is what it was like with Nazareth. Nazareth was not the place you wanted to be or the place you wanted to be from. So Mary's life didn't appear on the outside to be a favored life. But back to our story. It says that in the text that Mary is troubled when she hears the angel's greeting. She's perplexed by it. She's wondering, why is an angel showing up to me? And again, watch for this. He notices her troubled look because this isn't a one-way declaration being imposed on her. It's a conversation. Gabriel is bringing God's message, and he is doing it in God's way. So he notices, and he cares about how Mary is receiving the message. He sees that she's troubled, so he says in verse 30, and the angel said to her, 
Do not be afraid, Mary. And then he repeats again, for you have found favor with God. The angel comforts Mary. Many times in scripture, God asks people to do incredibly courageous things. And almost always we find those four words, do not be afraid. And you know, there may be nothing more courageous than what is about to be asked of Mary. I was with my parents this week and my dad said to me, Mary has always been my heroine. So here's Gabriel's message in verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Boom. There it is. There is the heart of the message. It's all happening. But again, to graciously help Mary, Gabriel uses words tucked in here, tucked right in this text, that would have echoed in Mary's heart because these words are taken right out of some prophecies from Isaiah. She would be familiar with them. She would know about these prophecies regarding a savior who would come. That's what that name Jesus means. It means savior. This is the savior she and her people and the whole planet have been longing and aching for. And this baby, this baby born to Mary, this savior would become a brand new kind of king, a humble servant king who would bring his kingdom about not through force, not through violence, but through self-sacrificing love. Self-sacrificing love that would cause him to do good to all those he encountered in his life, but would eventually lead him all the way to the cross where he would provide a path out of all of the hatred, the division, the strife that this precious planet that he loves so much seems to constantly go to. He would provide a path of hope and forgiveness and fresh starts and new life. Mary is being invited to participate in this incredible rescue operation. She considers all of this, and she has a question. Mary's a very practical girl, and she has a question, and maybe she's wondering, okay, but do angels even know about birds and bees? Because... Mary asked the angel, verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And you know what, again, watch this. Gabriel doesn't take offense. He doesn't say, I'm the one bringing the announcement. No, he doesn't 
He doesn't at all. He is glad to receive this honest inquiry. That's what our God is like. If you have questions for him, bring them to him. He listens to her question, and he just explains how it's going to happen that she, a virgin, will have a baby. Verse 35, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. There's so much in here. Let me pull out a couple of things. In his opening greeting, remember Gabriel said that God was with her? Well, now he's actually expanding that to show her that all three members of the Trinity are going to be involved in what's about to happen. He explains that the Holy Spirit is going to come on her and enable something to happen that could never happen just through Mary trying to work on her own. It's Remember the story of creation, the Holy Spirit is hovering over the water and life is being formed. The same thing is going to happen here. That same life-giving Holy Spirit is going to hover over Mary and a new little life is going to be formed in her. And the presence of God the Father We see that in the verse we just read in this phrase, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This is a promise that she will be completely surrounded and powerfully protected by God. Not that her story as it unfolds is going to be easy at all, but that God himself The Trinity is going to be with her every step of the journey. The angel continues, and he continues actually speaking courage to Mary. And at first, it might not be totally easy to see why, but let's look at it. These are words of courage. Number, verse 36. And behold, your relative... Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. The angel kindly and tenderly does two things here. First, he points Mary to another incredible miracle that's happening right then. He tells her that her very elderly cousin, who is way past childbearing years, is pregnant. She's six months pregnant. This is humanly impossible, but God has helped this couple have a baby. And so this gives Mary great courage. But secondly, secondly, in his great kindness, the angel is telling her that as she takes on this rugged assignment, Not only is the Trinity going to be with her, but there are people who will be with her. God knows how much we all need community in walking out the Christian life. God says, there's Elizabeth. There's Elizabeth, someone who will support and encourage and believe 
Mary. She and Elizabeth can journey together in this. One of them, an elderly woman who, in the sequence of her story, it would appear like she's pregnant way too late. <laughs> and, and for this young, this very young woman, Mary, in her story, who is about to be pregnant, it would seem way too early. They can together encourage each other that they are actually participating in a story, in a story that God has ordained, in a story that is a blessing to all of mankind, to a story that is so much bigger than them. So back to the moment. What will Mary's response be once she's heard and thought about all of this? What she's being asked is a stunning request on the part of God. It is majorly, majorly inconvenient to say the absolute least. I'm sure it wasn't on Mary's best life plan. Remember also that Mary can't see all the things that we can see from our vantage point in history. For Mary, what she's likely thinking is wedding plans are off. My reputation is going to be completely ruined. And likely in that culture, the reputation of her whole family and maybe even their livelihood is about to be destroyed. But Mary knows and trusts and loves God completely. And you know what? God knows Mary too. God knows before he asked her the kind of person that she is, a person who longs more than anything to love and honor God, to be part of the good things that God is doing in the world, to serve him whatever the cost. Some people have asked, did, like, did Mary really have a choice? I believe absolutely the scripture is clear that God profoundly respects our right to choose. <clears throat> he, profoundly ex uh, uh, he profoundly respects the free will that he has given us. But with Mary, maybe like with you, if you have a best friend, let's say, you have someone that you know really, really well, so if there's a request going to come to them, you probably know in advance how they're going to respond, right? Well, God knows Mary that well. He knows in advance how she's going to respond. And so he is not surprised by her stunning, incredible response. And here it is, verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, here I am, the Lord, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Incredible. 
I really like how N.T. Wright translates her statements. He says it this way. Just simply, here I am. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I want to have us just sit with this response of Mary for a couple of minutes. It's powerful. I want to go back on the screen to the painting because I want us to just think for a few minutes about what this response might have meant, what she might have been likely thinking. As she responds, she simply says, here I am. God, you know me. You know my story. You know my family. You know my history. You know my station in life. Here I am. I'm your servant, God. That's always been my goal. I haven't done it perfectly, but that's always been my goal. And so, God, if, if you want me to do this, and if you promise that you're going to be with me, then yes, of course, yes. And she closes with just simply these really humble words of surrender. May everything you've said come true. And it does. It does. Everything that Angel said to her has and is still coming true. And so here we are, over 2,000 years later, about to celebrate Christmas. So how might... How might Mary's story inspire and instruct us this morning, especially as we walk through this next week and as we enter a, a brand new year together? How might the stress lower? How might the peace descend if we were simply to pray Mary's words each day? Here I am, I am your servant, may it be to me as you have said. I want to lead you in a couple of moments of prayer. I want to just lead you through those phrases. I want to give you the opportunity right now to consider if you want to respond today to God in the same way Mary did. So you can keep your eyes open if you want. Those phrases are going to come up on the screen, or you can close your eyes, whatever, whatever best helps you enter into this moment. But would you consider right now, between you and God, praying Mary's prayer? Here's the first phrase. God, here I am.
God, you see the reality of my life today as it really is. You know every detail of my story. Your grace is over my life today, so I accept just right where things are at. But I also want to say, God, I am your servant. None of us keep that goal center and forefront all the time. But just tell Jesus again right now that you're available to him. You're available to him this Christmas season wherever he needs you, where he needs you to bring his love, his light, his grace, his kindness to those who are going to be around you. And then would you pray maybe that last phrase that Mary said, May it be to me as you have said. In other words, you're surrendering your expectations, your plans, because you want to be part of a bigger, better story. Here I am. I am your servant. May it be to me as you have said. Amen. This is what you were made for. You were made to be part of a bigger story. And you know, Christmas 2023, it might not all be merry and bright. I hope it is. I hope it's a great Christmas for you. But it might not all be merry. But as you surrender, as you surrender to the plan, the good plan of God, This can be an incredibly meaningful Christmas. You know, instead of a benediction, what I want to do as we close here is I want to actually read a poem that's also called Annunciation. And um, this poem was written by Malcolm Geith, and I want you to just listen again for the invitation that was given to Mary but is also given to us to be aware of the bigger story that's happening around us. Here it is. We see so little stayed on surfaces. We calculate the outsides of all things. 
preoccupied with our own purposes, we miss the shimmer of the angel wings. They coruscate around us in their joy, a swirl of wheels and eyes and wings unfurled. They guard the good we purpose to destroy, a hidden blaze of glory in God's world. But on this day, a young girl stopped to see with open eyes and heart, she heard the voice, the promise of his glory yet to be. As time stood still for her to make a choice, Gabriel knelt, and not a feather stirred. The word himself was waiting on her word. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for the story of Mary. Thank you that she said yes, and that here we are about to again celebrate that light and hope and peace has come into our dark world. And so God, this Christmas, as your children, we ask you would give us the grace to hear the nudges that you give us of how you want us this Christmas to enter your bigger story. May we be those who bring love and light and truth and grace to everyone we encounter. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless your Christmas. We'll look forward to seeing you for the Christmas Eve services, Saturday at 6, Sunday 2, 4, and 6. Have a good week.